Come on, praise him. Scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. You got breath today? Give him some praise. Come on. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. I am glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I believe he has a word for the church. Amen. I want to pray real quick against anything maybe hindering your hearts this morning. Every work of the enemy that might distract you from the word of God today. Every lie of Satan that might distract you. Come on, would you just even now, if you're comfortable, raise your hands. And as we go before the Lord to seek him and pray, Father, you see every lying spirit. You see every distraction in the house today. You see every work of Satan trying to distract from your word, from the, from the thing that you've desired for us to hear today, for us to enjoy today. Lord, I pray that even our praise and our worship would not be hindered unto you even now. I pray, Father God, that you would break every line, every assignment placed against us today. That there would be no distractions in our hearts and in our spirits this morning. But we'd be focusing on you, Father. We'd be focused on, I dare somebody begin to pray over yourself. Father, open my eyes, open my ears, my spiritual eyes and ears, God, that I may hear your word today, Father God, that I may see the enemy for who he is in my life. Father, I pray even now that you would begin to undo every work of the enemy even now, every distraction, every lying spirit, everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ even now, every distraction, we bring it into submission of your name. We pray it, we declare it in Jesus' name. Let me try this again. The Bible says, let everything that has breath, would you give them some praise one more time? Amen. Come on, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. You serve a good God, a living God, and we thank the Lord for all that he's done in our lives, in your lives. We're continuing in on our series, we are, if you are a first-time visitor today, we love you. We thank God for you. Would you put your hands together for any visitors today? Amen. Don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I won't, I won't call you out. But uh, we love you. We thank God. We're in the middle of our February sermon series about sex. So I hope you drop the kids off. Praise God. Praise God. So in week one, we talked about what God's plan for sexual intimacy is. And then we talked about in week two what Satan's perversion of it was. And, and we talked about the need to refrain to, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, to run. Somebody say run from sexual immorality, to run from sexual sin. Remember we talked about the word immorality. Morality means the ability to choose between right and wrong and make the right choice. And so in other words, uh, immorality is the inability to choose the right thing. It's, it's keep on falling into the same sin. And this week, I want to talk to a certain number of people today. This might not touch everything in your life. I pray it still blesses you. But I need to spend a service talking to all my single people in the house today. I know you don't want to be like, woo, because I'm single for the last eight years. Woo, this is terrible. Oh, my God. Nobody wants to praise God for that. When the married people are like, yeah, talk to them. Stop looking at my wife. Amen. Praise God. I saw that. I saw you guys. Praise God. I'm just playing. Let me stop. But I, I want to talk to all the single people and married people. Don't worry, because next week I got your number two. 
I got your number two. I'm talking about how to stay pure in marriage next week. Praise God. And so that applies to you single people too. For when God does bless you with somebody, you know how to act. Amen. You know, you can ask about 20 different people what it means to them to be single, who are single, and you're going to get 20 different answers. How they feel about being single. Some people are like, I can't wait till God sends me someone. Some people are like, I don't need nobody but Jesus. They're the ones who cry at night the most. They're the loneliest. I'm just kidding. It's a joke. But for some, honestly, all jokes aside, for some people, being single to them is a really sad thing. And as each year goes by, their biological clock is ticking. And they feel more hopeless every year. And singlehood to them has become a problem. For some, being single could be fun. I mean, being single should be a time where you practice your communication skills with the opposite sex. You don't know what I'm talking about? Communication skills? I'll say it in terms you can understand. Being single is a time you should practice your game. You should learn how to talk to people, communicate with them. Whether small, whether great, you should be able to understand people as you are single because once you get married, you can't be talking to anybody anymore, young man. You can't, have, young ladies, you don't have any best friends who are guys after you're married. That is a setup for failure. You know, learn some Christian pickup lines. What's your number? What's your name? I need to add you to my prayer list. Amen. I'm not usually prophetic, but I can see us together. Amen. You know. So I I started a group chat this week with a bunch of single people from our church. And they were just feeding me lines that they, Joshua said, hey, my name is Joshua. How many times I got to walk around you till your walls fall down? (laughs) I mean, some Christian prayer lines. Just, you, you need some Christian pickup lines. Is it hot in here? Or is it just the Holy Spirit burning in you, girl? <laughs> you, you need some, some, some game. Because we're Christian. We don't do it like they do it in the club. And if you do, you're doing it wrong. Praise God. But, you know, you should, you should, you should be able to enjoy your singlehood and still maintain your purity. I, I got, this is my singlehood survival pack. <laughs> I got some. I won't go through it all because there's just so much stuff here. But this is my singlehood survival pack. Amen. For all you single people. A bottle of water because some of y'all are very thirsty. <laughs> very thirsty. And if you, if you don't know how to know if you're thirsty, if you like every female picture on your Facebook, thirsty. Just thirsty. Or male pic for that matter. Amen. If you screenshot some guy's picture and send it to your girlfriends, Thirsty. But the world says you need a lot of stuff for being single. Got to smell good. You always need that. That's not the world. That's Jesus. You need to smell good. You need some good music, some R&B, some love music, some love music. You need that sexy music, right? Let me just tell you something about music that I just I shared with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And I'm not going to send nobody to hell for what you do outside this place. My job is to teach you what to do for the walk with God. That's my job. But let me tell you something about music. The Bible says when the king Saul was tormented by demons, tormented by demons, the Bible says, he called for the young David who would become the king eventually. And David played the harp for Saul. And David was anointed 
to be a worshiper before the Lord. So David played anointed music, and the Bible says that when anointed music was played, the demons fled. And it's just my theology that when unanointed music is played, demons come in. If godly music drives them out, ungodly music will bring them right in. And so if you're single, the best thing for you not to do is to listen to R&B all day and get all wound up in your spirit and in your flesh. The world says you need a bunch of pornography if you're a young man. You need, you need to have some pornographic video. Let me tell you something what nobody should have. Not this Bible. Nobody should have this right here. Hold on. You're about to laugh at me. Nobody should have this if you're single. <laughs> Massages just lead to sin. Singlehood survival pack. Y'all know what I'm talking about. When you're single, hardly any massage ends godly. Am I lying? I'm not lying over here. I ain't never told a lie. Amen. If you, you know, uh, some stuff we need in here. Singlehood survival pack, you know, birth control. Not everybody uses it for that, but birth control. Let's not talk about plan B. Nobody in the church know about that, right? Praise God. Singlehood survival pack. Oh, erotic novels. Maybe we'll call this Fifty Shades of Blue. Amen. But we read that stuff and we we put that into our hearts and minds. We watch those movies and expect it not to have an impact on us, but we're sowing that into our lives. Can I just be real with y'all today? Y'all don't want no real Bible teaching. Y'all wanted me to say something nice. Can I tell you something? If you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help somebody here. Pray, bless the Lord. I'm going to help somebody here. Besides the fact that you should not be living together, according to Scripture, we believe that in this church. We're kind of old school. That's all right. You should not have one of these to your boyfriend girlfriend's house. That's, that's, that's an open door invite to fall into sin. You should set parameters and safeguards. When I was dating my wife, she's very beautiful. If you didn't see her, she was singing up here. She's very beautiful. And I realized that I could not be with her past a certain time. Because there's nothing good that happens after 1130 at night when you're together with somebody. And if I was with her, I would be at her mom's house to keep it right and keep it proper. Or if I was with a crowd or something. What else I got in here? I got some, oh, something. Unless you're Jason and you work for a massage company, you don't need massage oils. Amen. These are, these, are, these are things the world tells you that you need to survive. I was going to bring some protection. I'll just call it that. But I didn't have time to go to the store and didn't want nobody to say, Pastor was buying this stuff before church. Amen. <laughs> Always keep, you know, stuff for your breath on, on, on tap. What else we got here? We got all types. Of, we got an iPad in here. We know what that's for because we use it all at night. Right, young men? Let's just leave all this stuff right here. I had some lingerie in there, but I'm not going to bust that out on the platform. Amen. My point being is that, my point being is that there's a lot of stuff the world says you should have because you're single. A lot of stuff the world says you should do because you're single. But what does God say about, did, did you not know? I don't know if you know this. The Bible tells you what to do with your life while you're single. The Bible tells you what to do. Here's what the Bible says you need in Psalms 119. You should, if you're single, you should be so happy today. You should be taking notes. You should be like really just like soaking this up, waiting for the podcast. I'm going to change your life today. Praise God. 
And it's not me changing you. It's going to be the word of God. Here's, here's Psalms 119 verse 9. And this is one of the greatest verses. When I read it a couple of years ago before I got married, maybe like six years ago, I was like, wow, praise God. It was like not rocket science, but it made so much sense. And here's what, what the, word, the word of God says you need in order to, isn't this good? Do you want to know what the word of God says you need in order to survive singlehood? That's my topic today, surviving singlehood. Amen. Making it sound real like a zombie apocalypse. How? Verse 9, Psalms 119, can a young person stay on the path of purity? So the psalmist asked the question for you. How can I, somebody say I, stay on the path to purity? He says, by living according to your word. For I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. For I have hidden my word, your word rather, in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's what the Bible says you need in order to survive. I know this isn't, this isn't sexy, right? This isn't attractive. That the Bible says all you need is the Bible in order to survive your life of being single. And this is, a, this is a bold claim for the word of God that it says all you need is me. And if you know anything about the word of God, the word of God is powerful. It's effective. And when the world says you might need all this other stuff, you might need a subscription to Match.com. You might need to hop on eHarmony and find God's choice. Go to Christian Mingle and find God's choice for you. The people snickering the hardest, you got two subscriptions to each. There's nothing wrong with those things, but we pursue so much stuff that we're not even ready for. You're pursuing stuff that you ain't got no idea what to do with when you get it. How do I stay pure in my singlehood? That's our topic today. Come on, bow your heads one more time as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray just that you would be in the midst of our church today. Speak to every young person. Speak to every young person today, Father God, that you would just have your way. Lord, speak to their hearts that you would just open their eyes to your word and what your word declares about being single. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, And so the psalmist is writing, and the psalmist in this scripture, he's writing with a special backdrop. And this backdrop that he's writing on is that we all have sexual desires. And your sexual desires in and of itself are not, somebody say, sinful. I told you in week one that God gave you your sex drive. God gave you the ability to desire something of that nature. But what God did not do is he did not give you a lustful heart. God did not give you a carnal mind to desire all these things that you should not yet desire in your life. And when those temptations come, we are called to cast them out. The image of culture today is that you should be out in the world experimenting. You are young. You should have fun. You should surround yourself with entertainment. You should date whoever you want. You should go out dancing in the clubs and you should go out drinking and you should go out doing all these things because after all, you are single. And then the church tells you, if you're single, you shouldn't even be in the movies with a young boy. But you want discipline for that. The church will tell you, you can't even hold someone's hand. You can't court someone. You have to ask somebody's permission. You got to do all these things. But what does the Bible really say? It it says that you should live according to the word of God. The psalmist asks an amazing question. It is a question that some of you should ask God that you won't ask God. What's the question? How can I live pure 
before God. This word pure is not just talking about virginity. It's talking about living blameless before God. How can I not fall into sexual sin? How can I, as a young person, anybody young here? Some of you older people are single too. Praise God. We can, you, this goes for you too. How should I live my life? And the psalmist says, well, I live according to your word. Here's point number one. The path of purity is paved with God's word. If you're going to walk a pure life, the psalmist is writing, if you're going to walk this pure life, you have to walk it in such a way that the word of God is guiding you. The psalmist declares that you can live a pure life when you live according to God's word. This book is a roadmap for you, young man, young lady, old man, old lady. This book is a roadmap for you. It tells you the warning signs of what to do. It tells you when to run when you see sin. It tells you to avoid even the appearances of evil. It tells you, but this generation seems to want to tell the Bible what it should be. You should live according to his word, says the psalmist. And the psalmist is writing from a place of experience. The path of purity is paved by God's word. Your ability to fight temptation. Young young man, young woman, listen to me. Your ability to fight temptation, meaning when the enemy comes in to fall into sexual sin, to fall into lustful thoughts, to all these traps of the enemy, your ability to fight it is gauged by how much of the word of God you know. When, when the enemy came against Jesus Christ when he was being tempted in the wilderness where he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, when the Bible says the enemy came against Jesus, what it does not say is Jesus prayed the devil away. It does not say he worshipped him away. It does not say he popped in his favorite track of his favorite worship team and he was okay for a few minutes. It says that he spoke the word of God. It is written that man shall not live on bread alone. It is written that you should not tempt the Lord your God. He told him what was written, but because you don't spend time in the word, because you don't have real relationship with God, you slip and fall into sin because other things are more important than God. And we say we love God, but our hearts are far from him. And his word is not in our hearts. And so I know that young men and young women who keep falling into sin don't have a grasp on the word of God. The word of God doesn't take importance over your life. There's no precedence of the word of God in your life. Because the psalmist clearly says, if I live according to his word, I won't fall. I'll be pure. It's because we don't have a respect or a regard for the word of God. You see, my friends used to come over my house and they would say, hey, um, they, say well, they would say my middle name, but I don't like it, so I'm not going to say it. But they would say, Lewis, Lewis, you want to come out and play a basketball? And I said, Kyle, I would say, no, my dad said I can't, I, I'm in trouble. He said, I, I can't do it. But, oh, he, but he's not home, but he's going to find out. And I don't want to die today. So I can't do it. Well, can we play? No, no, no. He said nobody. And I don't want to die. So please, you don't know my dad, please. And I would not go and do something my dad told me not to do because I had a regard and a respect for his word. And sometimes we don't have a regard or a respect for God's word, which is why we don't read it. And when we do read it, it slips out as soon as it was poured in. Because we don't take it as a life-giving We don't take it as life-giving. 
When God wrote the word of God, when he spoke it through the authors, he spoke it with the intention of making your life better, not bitter. He, he, he spoke it with the intention of making your life more enjoyable, not less enjoyable. And the psalmist says, I have lived according to your word. It's the word of God that regenerates us. It's the word of God that renews our mind when you are sinful, when you are ungodly, when you come to God with this sin nature. It is the word of God that you use to subject your fleshly inner lustful and carnal desires. It's the word of God. And if you have not the word in you, you have not a defense. You are, like a, you are like a soldier who has a gun but no bullets. You've been equipped with everything, but you haven't locked and loaded it. You need to use the word of God as your tool into how you stay away from sexual sins. I love how the ESV version says it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding his way with your word. By setting up the word of God as a guard in your life. Like, it's like setting up the word of God as a parental control in your life. You know, when you were a kid, you couldn't watch certain things on your TV if you had the parents who really cared about you because they would block certain channels with a special code. It's the same thing. When you are with the word of God, sowing it into your life, you begin to block out the enemy in certain areas and you build defenses because now you know what is right. Now you know what is wrong and you live according to somebody say the word. And when the enemy comes in, no, I want to fall into that sin for it is written in 1 Corinthians 6 that I should run from sexual immorality. No, I will not entertain that thought because the word of God says that the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. No, I will not do that because James 4, 8 declares that I, I resist the enemy. He will flee from me. And you begin to give this, the devil the scriptures. And you begin the enemy, to give him the word of God that you have sown into your heart. That you should let the word of God guard your heart. Guard your path. Store up the word of God in you. And the psalmist says in verse 10, for I seek you with all of my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I love how that's written. I've hidden your word in my heart. So that when sin tries to enter my heart, your word pops out and surprises it like a jack-in-the-box. I gotcha. The word of God's already here. You can't come into this path because the word of God occupies this heart. You can't come against this person, this man, this woman of God. The word of God is occupying this territory because I've hidden it in my heart. You might not know this, but God is serious about your purity. God is serious about your purity. Put away sexual immorality. Put away impure thoughts. Seek God through his word for being single is one of the most important times of your life. I wish somebody would be this bold to teach me this stuff when I was your age, when I was going to some of those things, when I was single as a young man, single as a pastor. That someone would tell me that those were some of the most important years of my life. Listen to me, young man, young woman, this whole front row right here, if y'all should really listen, I'm about to shave you years of hard time. If you listen, listen, this is the most important time of your life because if you can't serve God by yourself, you can't serve him with a wife. You can't serve God without a man now. You won't do it when he brings you a man. You'll be distracted to the point of falling from the faith. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Putting your house in order now. 
God's serious about your purity. I love how the, the Living Bible translates verse 11. I've thought much about your words. I, I stored them up in my heart so that they would hold me back from sin. That the word of God would hold me from sinning. That when I tried to leave, the word of God was holding me. It says, no, you can't do it because you have roots in the living God. You have a healthy relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and he holds you, and he does not let you fall away. It's the word of God that holds you from falling. The, the, the God's word will keep you when Satan is trying to remove you from the house of God, from the God's desires in your life. But if you honor the Lord, it's the same word that keeps you, that strengthens you. For the same sun that could burn you can also tan you. It's just how you use it. It's just how you use it. It's the same God. But what kind of a God would allow disease in the world? The same kind of God who calls the sun to rise every morning for your benefit. It's the same God. How are you going to look at it? The word of God. It's his word that as Psalms 119 will later on say in verse 105, I told you a couple of weeks ago, it's a light unto your path. Let me tell you something. If you're single, you should read the whole breadth of Psalm 119. It is all about staying righteous before the Lord in this season of your life. It's the word of God that guides you when you feel lost. It's the word of God that if you sow it into your heart, it will ground you and it will keep you from all unrighteousness as God empowers you with his spirit. The path of purity is paved with the word of God. Let me tell you something. If you're not willing to invest time into the word of God, let alone as a Christian, but as a young single Christian, then you will struggle with your relationship with God the rest of your life. You need to invest time into reading the word of the Lord and sow it into your life. For the path of purity is paved with God's word. He said, how can I stay pure? He's asking the question, how can I stay out of sin? For all of you who struggle with sin, you should, your ears should perk up. For all of you who struggle with sexual immorality, whether publicly or secretly, whatever it is, if you struggle with it, you should listen. He says, how can I not struggle with it? How can I stay right before God? He says, the word of God. Live according to it. Live according to it. Don't satisfy every fleshy desire that comes your way. But seek God's will on everything. So, okay, God calls me to be pure. He, he wants me to stay away from sexual sins. He wants me to do all that good stuff, to be right before God, to do, to do the, the will of God. <clears throat> but what's next? What's next after that, Pastor? What, what, okay, I got that part. I got the prayer and the reading part. I got that down. What's next? We find our answer in Proverbs 24, 27. Let me tell you something. Again, you should highlight this in your Apple phones, your devil Android devices, whatever you got. Make a note of it. If you are young or old and single, this is for you right here. Proverbs 24, 27. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. Sounds pretty simple. I'll read it one more time. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. See, the book of Proverbs is a book of wise sayings, principles. And this principle at a glance might not mean anything, but this Hebrew word, bayit, or bayith, as some might pronounce it, it is this word that means not a house as in a physical house you live in, but your house, like the house of the Burgoses. It is your family. And what he's saying is this, put your outdoor work in order, take care of your fields, take care of your finances, take care of that stuff, and then look for someone to spend your life with. Let me, let me give you point number two. This one might be really, really 
really like powerful for some of you guys. Just, you might not realize this. Being single is a time of preparation, not desperation. Being single is a time of preparation, not desperation. Christians often <coughs> want to jump into a marriage relationship because of sexual longings. That they can't stop themselves from sinning because they have no word of God. So they jump into a marriage thinking it's going to save them. But they're going to struggle with some other area because single people, you might not realize this. When you get married, sexual sins don't stop. Sexual temptations only get worse. It only sometimes gets harder. It doesn't always get easier. I wish you would understand this. It doesn't get easier every single time you say, I do. It might just get worse. But being single is a time of preparation, not desperation. Being being single is not a time of being in a wilderness. It's a time of harvest in your life. It's a time where you need to prepare yourself and be the man or woman of God that you want God to send you. If if you are in this phase of your life, it amazes me how many young men and young women want a husband or a wife, but don't prepare themselves with an education for a career over a job. Oh, that's offensive. I'm so sorry. You, You want God to send you a wife, but you ain't got no finances saved up. You want God to send you a husband, but all you got is credit card bills from debt. You want God to send you somebody, but you don't got your house in order in any single capacity, and you got about eight people you're talking to right now, but you want God to send you somebody. You want God to send you somebody, but you ain't got no, you got emotional connections all over the place that God won't send a good woman into an ugly situation of your life. You're sitting there crying for a wife, but you ain't got nothing but debt. What do you have to offer someone? In this season of your life, prepare for the person God is sending you. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. (laughs) There's no financial preparation. There's no emotional preparation. And there sure as heck ain't no spiritual preparation going on. Are you the spiritual, young man, let me talk to you real quick. Are you the man that a woman will follow into hell with a water pistol to win souls? Or are you wishy-washy with your faith when and if you please to serve God? Because why would God send you a princess if you can't be a prince? Why, Why would God send you one of his daughters if you didn't even know how to act right as a son? And then you do the unthinkable. You unevenly yoke yourself with an unbeliever, hoping that you can save them, and they pull you from the kingdom. Foolishness abounds in the church with this stuff. There's no, you, you, you're so desperate. Yo, I want somebody. I want, you're very thirsty. Oh, please, this and that. Oh, my God. And then, and then some people, all you have to offer somebody is your independence. And in a marriage, independence threatens the, the stability of a marriage. Because marriage is not about independence, it's about interdependence. But if you don't need nobody but God, then every man's going to walk by you because you don't need nobody. Every woman will walk by you because you don't need nobody but God. Are you hearing me? It's a time of preparation, not desperation. Solomon makes it clear, prepare your outdoor work. In other words, prepare your fields. He's talking to people who are primarily farmers, agricultural people. Prepare your outdoor, clear the fields, till the ground, plow the seed, I mean, plow the ground, and then sow the seeds. For when you sow the seeds, it'll take time to make a harvest. 
It'll take time to make a harvest. But when the harvest comes, God will send you somebody to build your house with and help you harvest what you've been sowing. But some of you, you get into a relationship and you jump into a marriage and you go through a hard time because there was no sowing going on before. There was no seeds being sown. There was no relationship with God being built up. What many of you don't realize is this is the most important time of your life, and here's why. Because the patterns you set now will be the ones that dictate the success of your future walk. Young man, if you wake up every morning and seek the Lord now, you will do it when you have a wife. Young girl, if you seek the Lord with your whole heart, and you do it constantly and consistently, you'll be able to do it when God brings you a husband. <clears throat> if you are a saver in this area of your life at this time, when you get into a relationship, you will be a saver. You will be a person who budgets your money, who does things right. But if you don't set it now, young men, I want to give you a clue. Let me give you a clue. The, God, the woman God has for you doesn't want to be your mom. She doesn't want to be your mom. It doesn't mean she shouldn't pick up your socks. Oh, whoa, oh, 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 hey. My wife said in them is fighting words. Girl, pick up them socks. I'm just playing. My point is that, is that she doesn't want to have to teach you everything. She doesn't want to have to walk. Young ladies. Young ladies. Be, be real. Be honest with yourself. If all you got to bring to a relationship is good looks, you're in trouble. Because it takes a lot more to be a wife and a woman of God. <clears throat> this is not a time of desperation. I'm talking to this girl. I'm talking to that girl. I got a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend every other week. I got all these interests. No, 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 no. It's a time for preparation. It's a time to get your right heart with God. It's a time to say, God, I'm putting you first in everything in my life. God, I'm, I'm trusting you. God, because, here's the thing. When you put God first, as you prepare yourself, because some of you want God to send you something you are not even. You, you want God to send you a man of God, but you're not even a real good woman of God. You want God to send you a fearful, a woman who has the fear of God in her, but you don't have it. You want God to send you a girl who has a, her own job, and her own, but you don't even got your own anything. And I'm not talking about your own apartment. I'm not talking about that because that's fine. You can live with mom and dad. That, that's, that's scriptural. When you get married, then you leave. You know why? Because mommy and daddy oftentimes ain't having that foolishness in their house. But this generation, you want to float off when you're 18. Praise God. But, but th th there's, there is guidance for your living in here. And you act as if this is a time of desperation. The psalmist clearly says the path to purity is through God's word. And then Solomon says that, that preparation is a prerequisite of relationship. That preparation is a prerequisite of relationship. In this season of your life, you should be the closest to the Lord and focus in on him. Can, can I tell you something? According to scripture, and I'll read you the scripture right now, single people should be the most on fire for God and doing the most kingdom work. That's in the Bible. I will read it to you right now. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 and 35. I want you to be free from anxieties. For the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. 
how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things and how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The moment I got married, me, Lewis, Pastor Lewis Burgos, when I got married, I could no longer just focus on the church. I had to split my time and say, I got a family now. I had to put barriers and, and things around my life. Don't call me. I'm serious. Unless it's an emergency. Don't call me after five. I will forward you to one of the other pastors. I have a family. I got kids now. I got, my interests are divided. But the Bible says right there that it is the unmarried man whose interests are undividedly on the Lord. Some of you girls <clears throat> thought you got off. Easy there. It says, it goes on to say, and the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. But the married woman, but the married woman is anxious about worldly things and how to please your husband. And I say this to you for your own benefit, not to lay restraint upon you, but to promote good order and secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. But oftentimes in church, it's the young people who are never present. Because they're always out seeking the entertainment of the world. Oh, I wish we could be honest today. Always looking for the next fun thing to do. But God says, no, this is a season in your life where you should be devoted to my desires. It's a time of preparation, not desperation. It's a time for you to prepare your heart and your mind. It's not a time of desperation. It's time of preparation. Are you hearing me today, church? Can I tell you a secret? I'm going to tell you why some of you are still single and you're older. I'm going to tell you why. And I'm being dead serious right now. For God will send what he has prepared to those who make preparation. Some of you ask God but never prepare. See, I heard this story in a movie and I said it many times, but I'll say it again. I'm getting to be that pastor who repeats all his stories. That's all right. And there was a story where there was a drought in the land for many years. A drought is just really means there's no rain has fallen from the skies. Crops were dying. Things were bad. It was a terrible time. And I heard the story that a prophet came and told two farmers, and he said, God said it's about to rain. And the farmers got excited because their entire livelihood is based on whether if it rains or if it does not rain. And they were excited. And so one, one, one guy takes it, he goes to his field, he plows the field, he drops in the seed because he heard that the rain is coming. He made preparation. The second farmer, he sat on his porch in his rocking chair, got his favorite newspaper, and started reading because he heard the rain was coming. He wanted to see if it was going to happen. Do you know who got the rain, church? The one who made the preparations. And some of you are asking God for something that you have not prepared for. You have no preparation in your life. You've You've not set anything in order. You've not set your relationship with God in order. You've not set your finances in order. You've not set your emotional, uh, just your heart in order. God will not, I promise you, God will not send you someone when you are not prepared. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, verse 5. There were no plants or grains sprouting up across the earth at first. There was no grain. There was nothing growing, the Bible says. There was nothing. There were trees and there was grass and there were flowers, but nothing was growing. 
off the trees. There was no fruit from the trees. There was no, no flowers budding in the, in the actual garden. There was nothing. Why? For the Lord hadn't sent any rain, nor was there anyone to farm the soil. In other words, God did not let the fruit come until there was a man who was able to take care of the fruit God was sending. What I'm saying to you is until you make preparation in your life, you could take this principle not just for being single and for finding a mate, anything in your life. You want God to financially bless you, set your fields in order. You want God to move in your behalf for a miracle, set your body in order. You want God to do something in your household, set your house in order. If you want the Lord, if you want him to move on your behalf, set it in order and make the preparation. For if you haven't found what God's looking for, look no further than your level of preparation. For being single is a time of preparation, not desperation. Being single is not a time for you to, to, to sleep around with whoever you can get your hands on at the time. Being single is not a time for you to live like a, a promiscuous person. Being single is a time for you to draw near to God so that when you have to divide your interest between God and a household, that you can still survive walking with the Lord. That you have a heart ingrained into you, just a, a, a ingrained into you, a heart after God. Because being married is hard work. It's not easy. All the husbands want to say amen, but they just, they want to laugh, but they won't do it either. But every married person knows that marriage is hard work. See, you guys see the pictures, but you don't see the war that happens behind closed doors. You see the cute family photos that they send you out at Christmas time. But you don't know they cussed each other out before they got there because the kids weren't ready on time. You don't know the struggles that it comes with. You just see these happy, I'm going to be so happy with my husband. We're going to lay in bed all day and eat ice cream and watch Netflix. <laughs> you have this mentality that it's all going to be great and marriage is great. Marriage is rewarding. But anything that's rewarding is worth fighting for and it's hard. It's difficult at times. And maybe there'll be a season where you get to a season where it's, it's much easier. But the first five years, if you can get through it, you might make it. But it's difficult because the enemy comes after you with everything he has. God sends what he has prepared to those who make preparations. God sends those he has prepared to those who have made preparations. This is a season of, say it with me, preparation. Not desperation. Young lady, you don't have to prove anything to a man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go biblical really quickly with you guys. The Bible says a man who finds a wife <clears throat> finds himself a good thing. A man who finds a wife. Ladies, you don't have to look for nobody. You don't have to, oh, I need to do X, Y, and Z. No, God will send a man to find you. Oh, there you go. Where you been at, girl? I've been looking for you 26 years. But we live in a society where men are attracted to women based on how they dress. Based on, and we, the women, you do all these things, and you wear all these types of clothes to accentuate your body and show everything off. And you attract a certain kind of man. And I'm telling you, it's not one of these men. It's not a godly man. 
Because a godly man looks at that and says, she, she needs prayer. Because if you do it now, you'll do it later. Because the patterns you set now, you'll do later. What you do in this area of your life, you will do it later. Trust me. It'll be after a lot of fighting with your husband. Change your clothes. Don't, I don't want nobody saying all that. Change it now. Fix it now. Grow your self-respect now. Learn your self-worth now. This is a season of preparation, not desperation. God, and here's the thing, God knows what you need in a partner. God knows what you need in a spouse. What you don't need is a laundry list of people that you slept with. What you need is financial goals, educational goals, spiritual goals, growing in the Lord. Don't ask for a husband or wife if you haven't prepared for it. Don't ask God for something that you are not. Don't do it because God won't send it. Save yourself the heartache. Begin to work on self and say, God, I need you to change me and make me who you want me to be. Make me into the wife or the husband that you want me to be. And then when that person comes, you're going to see them, and God's going to know. He's going to feel it in your heart. That's the one for you. And it might just be, ladies, it might just be the one that you've been overlooking the whole time. It might just be that guy who loved you the whole time. You're like, no, not him. <laughs> it, might, it just might be him. Because here's the thing. <clears throat> Naturally, let's be honest, we have a tendency naturally to be shallow, to look at the exterior, <clears throat> to look at the exterior. Oh, no, I need somebody prettier. I need somebody, I don't know about that. I can do better. What does that mean? Because the inside is what counts. Because some of those girls who look the best, they, could, they, 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 they would probably burn water. They, 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 I'm, t- I'm serious. Some of the guys who look the best, they're not loyal. They're not going to stick by you when it, the going gets tough. All they got is their good looks. Haven't held the job down in five years. Let's talk reality. Preparation, not desperation. As they used to say back in the old days, not everything that glitters is gold. And Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Chances are the person God sends you will have their own imperfections. So it's wise for you to work on yours in the meantime. Because when you get married, last thing you want to do is have both your imperfections to be working on. Because God, God wants you to prepare your heart for someone. Be the one you want while you wait for the one you want. Amen. And here's point number three. Here's point number three. Your purity is worth fighting for. Your purity is worth fighting for. What does that mean, Pastor? It is worth you fighting the good fight of faith to be able to give yourself to your spouse on your wedding day and say, you know what? I have not sinned against God ever since I gave my life to him. And here's the truth of the matter. I know that some people, you might, you might not have had a sexual experience. Maybe you are a virgin and some of you aren't. And what I'm not saying is that God's going to make you a virgin again. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, is that in your purity, in your walk with God, God honors that. God honors that. And you become a new creature in Christ. And what greater testimony, what greater thing to be able to say to your wife or your husband on the night of your wedding, I've not been with another since the Lord touched my heart. 
I've been waiting for you. And this that I give you is my gift to you. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I played a gag on my wife and I wrapped up a bunch of her own stuff for Christmas. <laughs> a bunch of stuff. Her, her old boots and she opened the box up. She's like, oh my God, it's botas. And she was so happy. And she goes, wait a minute, these are mine. <laughs> and I, I, I gave her the shirt that she had worn that morning to the gym. She's like, I wore this this morning. I'm like, yeah, but it's my shirt and I'm giving it to you. But it's, it, it's, but it's already used. <laughs> and I ended up giving her a brand new iPad. I think it was, a, yeah, it was an iPad. Gave her a great gift in the end. But here's the point that I want to say to you today. Some of you, all you're going to have for somebody is a bunch of used gifts. Let it sink in. And the reason is because you had no self-restraint, no self-control. Some of you really struggle with sexual immorality. And it's a very serious thing. I don't think that's a laughing matter. And here's why, because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I told you last week, did you not know that wrongdoers won't inherit the kingdom of heaven? It says neither the sexually immoral, the idolaters, or men who sleep with other men. That's what it says. That's tough. That, for this generation, that is tough. But God is trying to warn us that your immorality might have a high price for low living. At what cost, at what cost are you willing to have fun, to be casual with people? Listen, God made sex. Here's what God does not want. God doesn't want you to not have sex. He only wants you to do it within the confines of marriage as he declared it. And that's what's important, that you honor God because your purity is worth, somebody say, fighting for. Here's the lie of Satan, young man, young woman. Here's the lie of Satan. You're not a virgin, so it doesn't matter anymore. It matters. It matters. Young ladies, ask any man. He'll tell you it matters. Young men, ask any woman. They'll tell you it matters. It matters. When I bought my, my, my last car, the one before the truck I have now, I checked to see how many drivers it had before it, how many owners it had, because it matters who put the miles on it. It matters. Your purity is worth fighting for. It's worth saying no to temptation. It's worth saying no to that young man, that young woman. Say, no, I'm, I'm fighting for something. And any person that will make you fight for it isn't worth it. Because a godly woman or a godly man would never desire for you to surrender something that God meant for someone else. Your purity is worth fighting for. The Bible says in James 8, 4 verse 8, that if you submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Then it says, draw near unto God, and he will draw near unto you. You can resist the enemy, he will flee. You have to learn to honor your husband or your wife before you've met them. That went over some of your head. I know it did. See, I honored my wife by not falling into sin with other women before I met her. So when I did meet her, I said, man, I've been holding out for a long, I've been holding out for a long time, girl. Where have you been? But I have this gift for you. 
I have this gift for you. I have this, this, this treasure that God gave me that I'm giving it to you, this treasure in my life. Are you hearing me? Your purity is worth fighting for. Here's a lie of Satan that because you've already done something wrong, you've already sinned, you've already fell, it's too late, just go along with it, go with the flow. No, 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 stop the flow ASAP. Stop it. And say, God, what do you want from my life as a young man, a young woman, or a young adult, or an adult in general? What do you want from my life? What do you want from me, God? God wants purity. And purity doesn't mean perfect. It means that you got through because God helped you. Because you can't do it on your own. You need the strength of the Holy Spirit. You need the grace of God to empower you to do this. But it is possible when you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same way that Jesus fought so hard for us. He fought every temptation when he walked this earth. Satan threw everything he had at him. He fought every lie, every trap, every temptation. He fought this battle so he can give us a perfect gift of salvation. And the battle you fight is that you can give your spouse a perfect gift on the night of your marriages. Your purity is worth fighting for. And maybe you're saying, well, pastor, I'm not pure right now. From this day forward, you can walk in purity. You can walk in purity. You can tell how valuable something is how much somebody's willing to fight for it. Are you willing to fight for something? Is it valuable to you? If somebody tried taking some of your kids, is it valuable to fight for them? How valuable is your purity before God? How valuable of a gift do you want to give to your spouse? Maybe today your prayer should be, God, God, I, I need you to renew in me a strength that I haven't had before. God, renew in me a strength that I could walk right before you. And that although, although purity isn't popular, that I could walk according to your will, God. That not everybody will understand my choice, but I know that you, God, you're going to love my choice. You're going to love everything, God. You're going to love everything that I'm doing because I'm doing it for you. Can I, can I ask you a question? How valuable will your gift be for the spouse God is preparing for you? How valuable will it be? It depends on how much you fight for your purity. And here's what I want to do today. I want to, I want to offer you prayer today. Prayer for some people who might just need strength for purity. Because how many of you know, if you're being honest, the longer you have to wait, the longer you're in this season of preparation, it gets harder. Nobody wants to admit that. Praise God. It gets more difficult. Because your body's hardwired a certain way. But I also want to pray for those who have shame over their past. Those who are, 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 you hate yourself because of the choices you've made sexually in the past. And I believe that God wants to restore you today. I believe God wants to wipe away the lies. I believe God wants to take and make it you a new creature in him today. And I want him, I, I know for a fact that he wants you to believe that you can walk in that strength. That you can walk in that peace. Because purity is worth fighting for. Purity is worth fighting for. It's not a season of 
desperation, it's time for preparation. And if you want to live pure, the path is paved by God's word. And without God's word, you cannot accomplish purity. Your own strength will only last you so long. But here's what I want to tell somebody today. That God doesn't hate you because of past mistakes you've made. He knew you would make them. He knew you would. Maybe your mistakes weren't weren't sexual. Maybe your mistakes are just other sins. And and I want to let you know today, God does not hate you because of your mistakes. As a matter of fact, it made his heart break for you. So he sent his only begotten son, John 3, 16, that any who would believe in him would have everlasting life. It would not perish. They would not have to worry. But he did it for you. That's God's love for you. That he gave his son because he knew you would sin. And it amazes me. It amazes me how much God would love a sinner like me in spite of everything that I've done, in spite of all the mistakes that i made, that God would still love me and send his son. My favorite verse is in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, where it says that while I was yet still a sinner, Christ, he showed, God showed his great love for us, that he sent his son to die for us. While I was yet still a sinner, he didn't wait for you to get it right. Pastor, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying to you. You are already forgiven. You are already made pure. You are already on the path to purity if you would just accept the gift today. If you would just accept the Father's gift today, you are already set free. You're already free from your sexual sins. You're already free from the lies of Satan if you would just accept the freedom to the glory of the Father and say, God, I'm believing I'm believing your word. Come on, stand with me this early afternoon today. Surviving singlehood. How do I survive, Pastor? By you walking in the word of God. You survive by being pure before the Lord. You survive by preparing your heart. Preparing your heart for the Lord. Preparing your your life, your house, your work. And lastly, you fight. You fight for your purity. You fight for the right to say, no, 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 no. I walked with God. I made the right choices. I didn't fall into every single sin and every trap the enemy sent my way. I did things the Lord's way. That's a gift worth giving. Come on, would you bow your heads? As a prayer team, come on up. Would you just bow your heads? Dear Heavenly Father, you see every person. You know, every heart, every situation, every individual here struggling with the works of the enemy in their lives. Father, I know that you told me you desire to have breakthrough for people today. You desire to turn shame into righteousness today. You desire to turn brokenness into a healed testimony today. Lord, I pray now that you begin to even work on their hearts and their minds. As many might desire not to come forward, but that you would say, no, take the walk of faith. Believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, let shame be broken in your house today. Young lady, you don't have to be ashamed any longer for he bore your shame on the cross. He carried your sin. 
that even as young men, we would not be ashamed of our lives, but Father, that we would turn it over to you, trusting and believing your word. For we know that you're speaking, God. Lord, that you would give us a desire to fight for purity, to have an undivided devotion for you, my Father. That's our desire, Jesus, today, to draw near unto you, God. Oh, Father, you see every single person struggling. Addictions, Father, you know them. Struggling. Becoming against every lie of Satan, every addictive spirit, every immoral, lustful desire that has rooted itself in our hearts. We declare today, Father, we will drive it out in Jesus' name. We believe it right now. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, speak to their hearts. You know it. Come on, if you know, if you know the Lord is speaking to you in one way or the other, I challenge you, I challenge you to take a mighty step of faith. I challenge you to walk with the Lord and then come down to this altar and let us pray with you. Let us help you break the lies of Satan over your life, to break the addictions over your life, to break them today, to break the, the, the burden of shame. That Satan has tried to put over you for too long. He's tried to make you walk in that same path. He's tried to make you keep on in the same sin. It's a cycle. It's a dirty cycle. And he's tried to do it to you. But here's the thing. That freedom is here in the house of God today. Freedom is here for you. Small or great. You don't have to wait any longer. If you know he's beckoning you, then come now. Come now to the Father as the worship team begins to sing. I challenge you to come to him and say, God, I need you. I need you to pray. I tried on my own, but Lord, I got a real issue. <clears throat> and as you walk down these aisles, no one's judging you. No one's looking at you. But you're saying, Father, I need you. Father, I, I can't do this on my own. I'm a young man. I'm a young woman. I've been trying on my own, but I can't do it anymore. I need your strength today to the glory of Jesus Christ. Come on. If you're in your seat, would you lift your hands as people make their way? Would you begin to even pray over the people in your area, God, that your will be done in their hearts, that God, your will be done in their lives, that God, bondages will be broken today, that freedom will be had in the house of God. That freedom will be had in the house of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we preach your word, God, we preach your gospel, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. If you know the Holy Spirit's tugging at your heart, don't wait any longer. Your, your day is today for freedom. Your day is today for salvation. You don't have to worry about anybody around you. But say, God, I want to walk with you in the way that you've called me to the glory of Jesus Christ. Come on, worship team.